Thank you for tuning in to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message by Pastor A.J. Fowler. If you would take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 18. I think we released a... uh, we released something on social media to give you an indicator of what I was talking about tonight. But I, I want to bring this into a somewhat of a classroom setting, and I want to talk about the potter's will. That's the subject matter for tonight in Jeremiah chapter 18. And probably your, your Bible gives the, the, the subject heading there above chapter 18. But um, as I lead into this tonight, I, I, I want to give you, I want to, Forewarn you, I'm not going to give you six applicatory tools that you can use at the end of the message, so don't expect that. I have laced them within what I'm talking about tonight. I've got one point, and it's called the Potter's Wheel. And in hermeneutics, or excuse me, homiletics, they talk. It's I'm spiraling around the topic, and I'm going to talk about it as we come to the close at the end. So it's not going to be three points in a poem, okay? So it's just hang with me, but it is going to be a classroom setting focus because I feel like that. a lot of times, for whatever reason in the church, it's one place that we neglect to reiterate and to uh, go back over specific topics that are very important for you and foundational in your walk with the Lord. But uh, I, I want to talk. It's something, this subject tonight is something that I don't, I don't know much. I, you can call me if you want to. I'm not a know-it-all. I'm definitely a learn-it-all. <laughs> I want to learn everything that I can. Um, but... One of the things that the Lord has taught me since I jumped in and began to run was a thing called the process, a thing called, and, and little did I know that as I was studying and reading, it brought me, it's been the potter's wheel all along, and so we're going to talk about that tonight. How many of you uh, enjoy the process that you're in? <laughs> Nobody lifted their hands. If you did, you are crazy. Uh, process is something that we get the so hang with me. It really is. It's going to be something you can apply in every aspect of your life. It's relative, okay? It may not be the same thing for me as for for Patrick or for Aaron or for Miss Sandra. It's all different. We've all got a process that God's put you in, and you're having to run at that pace and what God's what, what God's called you. So, but one of the things that in the thing called the process or the Potter's wheel, and if I I want to I'm going to mess you up right off the top with this thing. So we're calling it the potter's wheel, but you can interchange wheel with W-I-L-L. So I just messed everything up for you. It's the potter's wheel. And the wheel is a place of discomfort, and that's really using it lightly. It's actually much, much more uh, intense than that. Um, But... We all enjoy receiving the prophetic word that, hey, you're going to go to the nations. You're going to do this for God. You're going to be rich. You're going to have a business. You're going to have this. Well, maybe I'm over. I'm being a little bit overt in my my description of it, but we, we love the prophetic words. Everybody enjoys it. I mean, you have a prophet come into town, they will come out of the woodworks, and people that you haven't seen in six years in the church will come out. I need a word. Not even fulfill the last one, but they come out for prophetic words. Because prophecy draws us because it's what, what is God saying? And we love the prophecy, but we like to step out of prophecy into promise, and that's not how God works because that's the end product. 
And God's invested in a thing called the process because in between prophecy and promises, a little thing called process. It's kind of like seed and harvest. No, seed time. Long periods of time where people check out and give up and give in and don't fulfill the promise because they're not willing to endure the process or the potter's will. So I just want to give you that introduction. I'm inviting you into this as I begin to talk about it. I want to read something that one of my heroes in the faith out of the denomination I came out of, he wrote this. He said this. He said, when observing a potter working with his will, one might take for granted that the power is in the will. Not the will of God, but the, this is going to be hard. So I just mess you up off the top. That the potter's in the turning thing, all right, the will. A monotonous going in circles energy. Or one might consider the source of power to be in the movement of the foot in a thing called the treadle, but it's actually a pedal, a spinning force. Then again, possibly the strength is in the hands of the potter as he shapes and molds the clay, but to the careful observer, one that looks intently and intentionally, the absolute power, the real power rests in the clay. The power rests in the clay. For it is in the clay that we find power of yielding, the power of becoming. The best potter, the most skilled craftsman cannot do anything with clay that refuses to be molded. You understand that your, your makeup, your DNA, where you came from, you're from the dust of the earth, uh, you're water and dirt. That's what we are. And he still calls us very precious in his sight. And so what I'm saying is that the power to become and the power to resist is in the clay. It's not in him. So I'll talk about that. Hopefully I get to it. Somebody asked me, said, do you not think this might be two parts? Possibly, but I'm going to try to, you know how I do it. We'll cram it all in in one, and you can go back and listen to the podcast. So anyway, so let's dig in and read in Jeremiah chapter 18. It says here in verse 1, now understand, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Many of you, if you've ever studied anything on Jeremiah, Jeremiah, he got to the point in Jeremiah chapter 20. I don't want to say that he hated but he struggled to give another prophetic word because it was gloom, doom, despair, agony on me, agony on the nation of Israel because of their rebellious, sinful state, their idolatrous state, and because of them embracing witchcraft into the land. And uh, so Jeremiah comes along, and it even came to a point to where Jeremiah said, Lord, I'm done prophesying. I'm done. You can have this gift. You can take it. But he said, even though I tried to close my mouth, it was like a fire shut up in my bones, and I had to speak. I had to open my mouth because it was burning on the inside. So this is Jeremiah, and this is obviously the sinful state of the nation of Israel. And it says, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause. If you have anything, I don't know if you have, I don't know if you can underline, that word is very important. I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred, or it was ruined in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, and as, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Now I'm going to read a couple of verses that's not here. And it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, Look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. 
The power to become and the power to resist is in the clay. Now, in verse 2, I want to just take this and step period or just step right down the line with the scripture. Verse 2 says, I will cause you to hear my words. Why? Because there's power. What the Lord was trying to reveal and show to Jeremiah was he was trying to, to make him learn, cause him to learn a lesson because there's power in learning your lesson. Sometimes we're listening intentionally to the Lord and intently, and at other times, God must cause us to pay attention and to listen. There's times that he's good at getting your attention through experiences and situations. When God wants to teach you faithfulness, he will lead you through an experience to give you the opportunity we don't think it's an opportunity, but he's given you an opportunity to learn the definition of what faithfulness truly means. You can know something in your head. Hear what I'm about to tell you. You can know something in your head, but it's only when you learn your lesson that it becomes part of your heart. There's a thing that I've heard so many times, and it's actually a ministry. It's called the 18-inch journey because something has to make an 18-inch journey from, from the heart to the head, or it has to come from the head to the heart. It's got, it's got to hit the heart before anything begins to change. And so the Lord brings Jeremiah to something he's been so familiar with, and he begins to teach him a lesson from this thing. Because when you bring, I don't, I don't know how, uh, for me, I was told by, I had great parents, had an amazing, amazing grandparents. I was raised in a great family, but I had a rebellious streak in me where I wanted to do things my way. I felt like everything that I was told not to do, somehow I found myself doing it. Like the apostle Paul said, the things I'm not supposed to be doing, I find myself doing. And I don't think that he was referring to his present state. I think he was talking to a former life, but that's what I found myself doing. Kicking against all wise counsel and judgment that was given to me, I found myself doing these things. And they told me, this is what's going to happen if you start down this journey. Well, I'm okay. But it, I knew it in my head, but it wasn't until I learned my lesson, a very painful, quite a few steps and lessons. And I guarantee you, we could pass the mic around and everybody could say, yep, I can tell you exactly what was going on. Uh, and and I, the Lord really taught me. I knew it, but it wasn't until I learned it. And, and it learned my lesson that it actually uh, uh, brought into to a living level of personal experience. I'm going to tell you something. I... Learned wisdom is great. I can observe from your mistakes and say, yep, I will not do that. I'm going to watch. The older I get, uh, the more I understand it's important to observe. So if I'm observing you, whether you're in a restaurant or maybe you're in the church or whatever, I'm observing from maybe things that you're involved in. So uh, I'm kidding. But it's, it's powerful to observe and watch so that you don't make and create the same mistakes in your life. And in verse 3 and 4, Jeremiah the Lord begins to deal with Jeremiah and take it a little bit further. And he tells him in verse 3, I'm not going to read them both, but he says, Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. Now, there's power in going back to the basics. I'll get to the wheel. Give me just a few moments. But there's power in going back to the basics. There's power in learning your lesson. There's power in going back to the basics. This is the potter's wheel is something that, that Jeremiah has seen hundreds, if not, or you know, th probably thousands of times. It was very common in their land. Think about it, especially archaeologists, as they dig up pottery from three, four, and 5,000 years, way back, especially during the time of when Abraham was alive. They, they dig these, and they're still intact. Some of them are, are perfectly okay, uh, uh, minus the dirt and the mud that's been stuck to them. But it, it, they've been preserved over this long period of time. So this was something that it was very common that he saw. And the Lord takes Jeremiah back to a familiar, a familiar place. But when Jeremiah arrived, he saw something. 
What he saw became a word from the Lord to him. Whether you will hear the word of the Lord or not often depends on what you're looking for. Jeremiah received a word, therefore he knew what to look for. I'm going to the potter's house. Because he knew what to look for, he discovered the word of the Lord by observation. And the word obviously wasn't directed towards him, but the nation. And I, 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 the Lord begins to talk to him about the rebellious state of the nation of Israel. Now, I wanna, let me just preface a little bit before I go any further. Let me just say this. The potter's wheel is, is a place that if you found yourself off of, you can get back on. If you are on it, my goal and my desire is to inspire you to hang in there because maybe you're about ready to get off and say, I'm done doing this monotonous thing that's been happening. But I will assure you of this. This may be a little bit bold and, and, and on some people's toes, but this is our, our toes, but this is our core, so I can speak to you tonight as a pastor. When surrender is absent, when submission is absent, when, unyield, when you're unyielding, when all of that stuff is absent in you, you can be sure that a spirit of rebellion is present. When there is no submission in you to spiritual authority and those that have your best interests at heart. I'm not just talking about a pastor or something to that effect. That's part of it, but I'm referring to maybe you have close friends that are strong spiritual voices and voices of wisdom. The scripture talks about wise counsel. If you don't have, you surround yourself with wise counsel and you'll be wise in your latter days. But if you don't have those voices into your life and you're unwilling to listen to voices like that into your life, then you can be sure that there is a seed because it's in iniquity. Do you understand what iniquity is? Let me break it apart just for a moment. Iniquity is a propensity towards a specific type of sin. And we're all inherently born into rebellion because it's human nature to rebel from the things of the Lord. It's the flesh. That's why Paul said that there is these two things working inside of me. And so we're inherently rebellious, but if you have no surrender, because you can't, you can't do anything in the kingdom where it's absent. I'm telling you, you can't please God without a surrendered heart. And the only way that you can check to see if you've got a surrendered heart is whenever in any, any capacity, when someone confronts you on something that's, and I'm not talking about a, a, a bearing down and a chewing out, but when someone confronts you specifically in something in your life that maybe you're if veering off into the wrong path, or maybe it's through a message, or maybe it's through a podcast, or maybe it's through a friendship, faithful are the wounds of a friend. I can't get deep into this because this is a whole different subject and topic, but you can see if you want to kick against that, there's something there that needs to be dealt with between you and the Lord. So let me keep moving. I just want to put that on the front end of this as I move forward. Now, let's talk about what does a will do? The potter's will. Jeremiah's observing the potter's will. The will is on a continuous, monotonous routine of turning in circles. That's all it does. But thank God for the will, right? Because otherwise, many of you wouldn't have got here tonight, right? I'm very thankful for my wills. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to sit there and watch them turn as they've got the vehicle hoisted up on a, on a lift. It does no good, but it definitely gets me somewhere, even though it may not look like it. You with me? It's the will of God. It's taking you somewhere, but are you surrendered? Are you submitted? Are you willing to hang in there? Is the old Southern adage like a hair in a biscuit and ride this thing out and see where God's taking you because he is taking you somewhere. So it continues in circles. And we look at the nation of Israel, even when they come out of Egypt, they got caught in this, this wandering around the mountain. Now, this is not the type of will that you want to get stuck in. 
because of rebellion and their unyieldedness and even their stiff-necked and stubborn, uh, their stubborn ways is what the Lord said. He, he told him, he said, you're not going into the promise. You got the prophecy, I'm getting you out, but you're not going into the promise with all that stuff. You're not taking that mess into this, you're not taking bitterness into the promised land. You're not taking your, your, uh, your, your paganistic worship into the promised land. You're not taking that stuff. Maybe what it is that God's got you on the potter's wheel and you can't take this mountain of debt into the next place that God's trying to take you. You can't take that bitterness and unforgiveness towards those people around you. But pastor, you know what? They, I get it, but you can't take it where God's trying to take you. He's trying to offload it in the wheel, but you're fighting and kicking against the wheel. You can't do it. You've got to submit, surrender, and let the potter begin to shape. I got to keep moving. It wasn't until the Egyptian flesh, that old Egyptian flesh began to die out that God says, now I can take you to the next place. Walking with God personally, now I'm going to talk to some of you. You've been walking with the Lord a long time, and it feels, let me just tell you, walking with God, I haven't been in this thing as long as some of you have, but I can tell you I've learned that it's monotonous at times. It's easy to get disillusioned with routine and instead try to make something happen. I've done it. And even within the past, I'll just tell you, seven years. I thought for sure I knew exactly where God was directing us as a family and leading us as a family. And you know what I did? I got a few words from the Lord personally, began to write them down, journal and pray into them. All of it was right. God wasn't saying physically. He was saying spiritually. But I get disillusioned, got tired of them. I'm just going to make it happen. Here we go. I got what we got going. And I found myself veering off a path. You got a path in front of you. God's got you on a path. And you got a pace. The pace may not be where you like it. It may not be fast enough. It may be too fast. But he's got you on a path. The problem is, is we get to a point where we get uncomfortable with whatever's happening. I'm just, I'm tired of this. I'm so familiar with this place. And then we start veering off the path. We take a detour. Next thing you know, we try to make our own directions and we get out wandering in a, in a neighborhood. We don't even know where we're at. And God said, here we go. Let's light the beacon again. Lights the torch. And, and the word comes back. The correction comes back. And you say, oh, there he is. Let me get back on track. You come submitted, humbled, and ready to run again. And that's what God's trying to do is bring you back to the path, bring you back to the wheel, and just stay consistent. Stay faithful. Stay submitted. Stay surrendered. God's taking you. It's going to be all right. He's got his hand on you. He's protecting you before and behind. He's not going to let you fall behind. He's going to take you. You're not going to, it's nobody's, don't look at what anybody else is doing. You're unwise by judging yourself by somebody else's work. Stop looking. We keep moving. The fact is, most of our walking with God is routine. It's not spectacular at times. It's not fireworks and awe-inspiring displays. It's the, listen to this, I love this. It's the slow, steady burn of a consistent single flame. Faithfulness and radical, or excuse me, radical is, is not going and seeing all the miraculous signs, wonders, and miracles. You can see that in a moment's time. God could show you that in a moment's time. It's decades of faithfulness. It's decades every morning getting up and saying, Jesus, I love you. I'm here again. I need you. I royally messed up yesterday, but I'm here today. Your mercy's new this morning. I don't deserve it, but you gave it to me. And just staying faithful every morning. It's staying committed to the place of prayer, staying committed to reading the bread of life and breaking it apart every morning and every evening and at some point during the day, feeding yourself on it, meditating on his word, worshiping privately, gathering with the saints. It's so important. 
I'm not just trying to throw in a spill for coming to church, but it is important. Gathering with the tribe God's called you to be with because you have a function in this room. And then take it a step further. It's about being consistent and living with your hands open and giving. Saying, God, whatever, whether I, the tithe, you expect it, giving above, yeah, that's fine. I'll give of my talents. I'll give of, uh, of my time. Whatever you need, God, I'm gonna live with my hands open. Let me keep moving. Let me tell you how powerful that routine is. Power, routine is so powerful. Look at Daniel. Daniel prayed three times a day. Three times a day, he prayed every day. He didn't pray more in crisis, and he didn't pray less in ease. He was consistent, constant. His prayer neither sped up nor slowed down the process, but he was just consistent. The slow, steady burn of a consistent flame. And the Lord answered, moved, did extravagant things through Daniel. The scripture said that there was an excellent spirit put in Daniel. I prayed for that often. I need that God in my life. Let's step a little bit further. The power, now let's talk about the clay. Routine's very powerful, but let's talk about the clay for just a moment. That's us, okay? (laughs) Jeremiah watched the potter begin to shape the clay into something, some type of vessel. And then he watched as it became marred or ruined in the potter's hand causing the process to where he had to stop it and reshape it. Now, uh, I want to tell you something. A lot of times with potters, what happens, and I, I was reading this, this, this uh, specific topic uh, on this topic, and they said that the first time that the clay gets marred, they, they say that they'll, they, they had an intention, they had a vision for what that was supposed to become, but because it was unwilling to cooperate and bend and mold and shape to what he had envisioned it to do, he said, I can't make it into the previous thing that I thought I was gonna do, but I can, I can, take a, I can, t- I can make something else. It won't be as beautiful, it won't be as awesome, but I can shape it into something else. Now, let me stop just a moment. When I read that, something hit me and I began to repent. I said, oh God, have I been on the wheel and I was unwilling to be shaped by you and to the first thing that you envisioned to me become because of my rebellious heart, my unsubmissiveness, my, my, my whatever it is, God, forgive me and put me back on the wheel. Because I, if there was something first, if I, and I envisioned this of a king's table, okay? I don't know, just a medieval time, king's table. I love that era. And I, and I was seeing it as like all of this royalty come and begin to sit around a table and just looking and thinking about the ornate and the beautiful uh, uh, pottery that was sitting on the table, getting ready to serve people. And, and I was thinking in my mind, what if I'm supposed to be on that? T- I want to be on that table that, that, that holds something precious that kings put their hands on and pour out on somebody else. But if, have I been unwilling to submit myself where God says, you know what? I can't use him for the king's table. What I can do is use him for the, the foot washing bowl that when they come in walking off the streets with dirty feet. And everybody knows what they used to walk in in those days. They don't have to go back into that, but nasty feet. That they'll come in and sit down and wash their feet with because it was unfit to make. The clay was unfit and unwilling to, to, to mold to the king's table, but it's willing to be a foot washing station. Now, let me say something. If that's what I'm called to. then I will most willingly and most definitely say yes to that because it's God's will, it's God's purpose, and I'll say yes. But if I'm meant for more, which I believe that we are, I don't want to settle for a foot washing station when I can be a, 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 a spout on the king's table to hold something precious for those around the table to pour my life out to benefit the lives of, of royalty. I'm just saying. See, the will was willing in this story. The potter was willing. The potter was exceptional in his 
ability to create. He was experienced and highly skilled, but the problem was the power was in the clay. So let me just remove the excuses out of your life. The power is not in those that's been around you, but the power's been in you the whole time. This whole point, up to leading up to this point, you can't blame anybody else but you. The power is in you. The power is in the clay to become. So if you think, man, I've missed it. Listen, this is the great thing. He's the God of the second chance, the God of the third chance, the God of the fourth, the God of the 50th, because I've been the, the guy that's probably needed 100 of them and found myself on Sunday night services in the altars, repenting, crying out to God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. He's a God of so many chances. Most potters, you read and you study, most potters give clay three chances. That's all they get. And then they toss it to the potter's field. It's unwilling. It will not work. I'm done. I'm out. Throws it out. Three chances is all they get. What I love about what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians is he said that we have this treasure in what? Earthen vessels. We have a treasure. There's something God deposited himself inside of you with his spirit. Salvation, we know the spirit is dead, but then his spirit brings life to yours and you, salvation happens. And then there's baptism in the Holy Spirit with evidence of tongues that Pastor Eddie's going to be hitting in a couple of weeks. It's going to be powerful. But there's so much more available for us, but he's the God of so many chances. I want to say the God of the second chance, but he's just more than that. Because God, he has a W-I-L-L. He has a will for the clay. He has a purpose for the clay. And he also has a will, W-H-E-E-L, for the clay as well. And here's the deal. Our problem, I'm gonna, this is probably going to hit a lot of you, so listen up to this. Because a lot of people, I've, I, I, maybe I haven't heard you say it, but I, I can feel the question because I've asked it myself. What is God's will for my life? What is the will? First off, I want to say stay on the will. You'll find it, even if you feel like you're spinning in circles. But our problem is not in finding the will of God. It is in doing the will of God. A lot of what we call finding God's will for our personal lives is actually trying to change God's mind because we don't like the process that we're currently in. Oh, I know it. It's hard to say amen to that. I get it because I'm, I'm right there with you. Some of the stuff that I, I've been led into a path to, I'm just thinking, yeah, this is not God, but God's like, oh, yes, it is. We're going to break some stuff off of you. We got to remove some things from you. We got to refine you. And I, man, I could go into that. I'm not going to. Let's move forward. Um, I'm talking to myself, by the way. Now, this is the place. Let me just teach it and hit you with it. This is the place where we think we're trying to change God's mind, which you can't do it, okay? It's... It's really stupidity on our part. I don't really think it's ignorance because I think we know it. Ignorance is unknowingly doing something, but stupidity is knowingly doing something. So we think that we can change God's mind. Maybe if I pray more, maybe if I fast more, maybe if I blah, 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 blah more, whatever it is, I can change. No, you can't. You're not doing it. He'll let you sit there and sulk in that wet diaper until your bottom gets raw while you pout in it. And then he'll say, you ready to get up? You ready to put your big boy britches, your big girl britches on? Let's move forward. It's the truth. He'll let you sit in it until you finally say, okay, I'm ready to move forward, Lord. Is that too much? 
I'm getting a lot of looks on people looking off and looking up at the ceiling. Am I, am I describing you? Listen, if the shoe fits, you know, I mean, I'm talking to you the way that he's dealt with me about these things, okay? I'm not serving you anything. He hadn't served me first, I promise. So this is where everything begins to go awry, if I could say it in that way. The heart gets hardened towards the Lord because it's not what we expected. We expected it to pan out this way when it didn't. And it's not going to. And God's like, I'm going to stand right here until you finally figure out we can move forward. Bitterness, unforgiveness, coldness towards the things of God. You may come into the church building, but you're cold. You're shut down. You're cut off. He's got a will for you. And the problem is, is my humanistic ways have embraced self-will and not God's will. Self-will says, I can do it on my own. God's will says, you can't make it out of the paper sack wet by yourself. Truth. When the hardness of heart sets in, hear this. When the hardness of heart sets in in your personal life, we can no longer distinguish between right and wrong, true and false. We cannot understand or even feel the hands of the potter. We're numb. We're numb to the things of the Lord messages, well, that church doesn't feed me anymore. I mean, you know, I, I've, this place doesn't help me anymore. Me, me, me. I'm telling you, I've been here. I know. And it's when the Holy Spirit begins to smack you, or maybe it's God that smacks you and he sends the comforter to come alongside of you and say, come on, let's get it together. Conviction is so precious. The spirit of conviction is so precious to your personal development. God has a plan, but too often we have a mindset. <laughs> He's got the plan. We got the mindset. Preconceived notion of what we want to do and who we want to become. So we pray and we pray. We fast maybe a day or two or media or something like that, thinking we can change God's mind, but obviously we know we can't. And Israel in this passage, when you take it back, and we bring it back to the scripture they had hardened their hearts toward the Lord. They were a stiff-necked people beginning to embrace the, the, uh, the culture of the surrounding people around them. And they would not yield. They resisted much like the clay on the wheel, and it hardened, and it would not yield to the use of the potter. Now, we know that he reworked it and reshaped it, which was God's prophetic word of saying, hey, I'm going to rework you guys, and I'm going to bring you into something great. So when God puts you on the wheel, he molds you. Now, listen to what I'm going to tell you. When he molds you into the best you, you can possibly be or become for him, not for you. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Oh, he's making me the best that I can be for myself. No, he's not. He's creating something in you to make his name famous, not your name famous. And I'm in a generation right now with a lot of guys around my age that are trying to build their own brand when they haven't built a prayer closet. I'm not into people that's building their own brand and self-promoting. You can ask my stuff. I hate it. I hate it. God dealt with me something previously that I felt like that I should have done differently, and I repented to them. I said, I'm sorry, guys. I missed it. I wasn't paying attention. But God's not looking for those that will promote themselves. He's looking for those that will be promoted by him that bring influence to him. His name is made famous. The fame of his name the, the surrounding regions knew of Jesus in Scripture when it says that he performed it. You know, the, the fame of his name actually meant that the notoriety of Jesus went through the roof. 
because of what he had did. I'll move, keep, keep moving. Hear this. I love this. The same sun that melts butter is also the same sun that hardens the clay. Think about that for just a moment. It is in the substance. It's, it's not, well, it's the sun. I can't, did you, it, it's the one that did this to me. Well, my boss did this to me. That past relationship, you don't understand what just happened. Well, you ought to heard what they said to me. You don't understand what happened. And listen, I'm really not downplaying things because a lot of people have been wounded and been hurt, even in churches. And I first want to apologize. If anything's happened to you here, forgive me. Let me just be open with you and tell you. And I'll be, you tell me what I've done and I'll apologize for it. And we'll move forward. Because I'm all about reconciling and let's move forward into what God's got. But so many times we want to blame something else when it's really the substance. The same sun that melts the butter is this also the same sun that hardens the clay. It's in the substance. It's not the sun. You must be melted before you can be molded. Go on and harden your heart. God's looking for the tender heart, the one that remains tender before the Lord. So that's the hearts that he can mold, he can shape, and he can prune. No, it don't feel good at all, I promise you. But it's worth it. The reward of what you're becoming is so worth it. I thank God I'm not the guy I was three years ago, four years ago. So grateful. I pray that I'm moving into a place of becoming a learn-it-all, learn your lesson and all, not a know-it-all, but, but a, but a, a learn-it-all. We come to the Lord and we take all the broken pieces and we say, Lord, please put us back together. And God does. You come broken, you come with a contract heart, you come surrendered, you come yielded. God begins to shape, put things back together the way that it needs to be because God will always give you the best if you will leave the choice to him. If you just leave it to him, he'll give the best to you. We must bring all that we are. Take off the mask, the facades, because God can't change who you pretend to be. He's got to change who you are. Let me just let that be a word to some of us. When we come before the Lord, that's one thing God taught me. AJ, I can't change who you're pretending to be. Take the mask off and let's be real. Let's talk about what you're really dealing with. Let's get into the hard issues and the struggles, the problems. And I'm, I'm, I'm reason why I'm, I'm thinking back of moments and prayer moments in my home and in his church of where God was just removing masks. The facades, the, the, in Greek, it's called Hippocrates. It's hypocrisy. It's what they would do in, in plays in Greek theaters is they would wear multiple masks. One person would wear multiple masks. It was, it's a, it's hypo, hypocrite. I want to live hypocritical. We understand that it's in churches, but I want you to remove your mask and become who you are before the Lord. That's who he's wanting. That's who he can change. That's who you give him. And self-will, as I said, it always wrestles with God's will. It always will. You come before the Lord, he begins to shape, prod, uh, etch, hammer, chisel. It, it's it's going to be painful. It's a tough time. But I'll tell you this. I would rather meet a fence at the top of a cliff than an ambulance at the bottom. Go ahead and correct me at the top and let me get this thing going so that I can get it right. Because I don't want to be on a path of destruction and fall to my doom. Deal with it in me, God. Keep me on the wheel. Work with me on the wheel. You've got a will for me, the clay. You created me specifically for a purpose. Demetri, if you would come. I've got so much more to say, but I can't say it. It is going to have to be a second part, but th- here's the deal. 
We're starting next month. I'm going into a, a specific series called Driven by Eternity. So it's a focus on serving next month. Hint, hint. People, we need your help. No, I'm kidding. I'm not begging. But it's, it's, it is going to be a focus on that. But many of you have ever read the book by John Bevere, Driven by Eternity. It's kind of a focus of what we're going into next month. Anyway, let's keep moving. Yielding to the potter will bring joy into your life. It really will. It's not an instant moment and uh, explosion of happiness. It's long-lasting. Because you remember, joy is an inside work. The work of the Holy Spirit is done internally, and it's an inside job. Joy actually happens internally and manifests externally. That's how it works. I've heard a quote one time that said, Life is not in doing what you want to do. Life is in doing what you ought to do. It's doing what you ought to. Happiness is not in doing what you like as much as it is liking what you do. Yielding to the potter and allowing him to make us what he designed us to be is actually the ultimate goal of eternal joy of the believer, letting him shape us. It doesn't look like it. Remember, everything in this world is inverted according to the kingdom, right? You read what Jesus taught about. He said that the first shall be last. It's inverted. And I know that in this life, everything gets extremely tough. The potter's will, the struggles and the issues that you're currently facing, it gets tough and it gets rough and it's hard. A lot of us have walked through even recently some extremely tough emotional times in our personal lives. But I'll tell you this, rose petals falling on a rock never produced precious stones. Constant happiness never produces strong Christians. You're going to face some stuff, and it's going to get really extremely tough. The Lord loves you too much to shield you from everything and keep you in a place of comfortability. He loves you way too much to leave you the way that you are. And here's my question, as you would all stand to your feet. Here's my question to you, is just to leave you with this tonight. First off is I pray that you commit your heart to staying on the potter's will. And if you've gotten off of it because of self-will, and, and self-personal things that you desire for your own. Find your, and I'm gonna give you a moment here in just a few minutes just to come before the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry that I took myself off, but I'm ready to get back on the wheel and I'm ready for you to begin the process because he puts grace on those that's being etched and cut on and pruned and, and, and molded and fashioned. It's like the old song used to say, Jesus, use me, please don't refuse me. Surely there's a work that I can do. Use me for your purpose, for your holy service. Use me, Lord. Don't take me and throw me to the potter's field. So my question is to you, and I'm asking you, is it going to be the potter's will or is it going to be the potter's field? What do you want? Because you have to answer that question. I'm not saying you have to answer tonight, but it's definitely something you have to deal with personally. Do you want to stay on the wheel? Many of you are in there. And listen, I'm, I encourage you, stay on it because there's a reward coming. It's routine and monotonous, but I promise you, the wheel's taking you somewhere. The will is taking you somewhere. The mark of maturity in Christ is to understand there's some problems that you're gonna face and that you've already faced that cannot be solved. You can't. They can't be solved. You simply must live through them. God's hands on you. He's shaping you. He's molding you. Let him do his work that brings him glory and not glory to yourself.
Sometimes those of you, you're in a place where God is reinventing you. It's, it's a season where God is reshaping you and you don't understand it. There's a lot of chaos happening around you. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of questions and there. I don't, God, I don't know what you're doing. I, I can't, is anybody, I, I, I wanna ask the question. Does anybody feel like you're there? Anybody in the room? Like, God, I, I feel like you're reshaping. You're doing some stuff and I, I can't put my finger on it. I just know things are changing. There's, transfer, there's transformation happening and it don't feel good to me. There's a lot of shaking happening. And so you, you, you feel all this. Well, my word to you is this, stay on the wheel. If you're committing yourself to the Lord, well, I'm not sure if I know what God's will is. Don't worry about changing his mind. Commit yourself to him. And the way that you do it, I'm just gonna give you this. If I can say there's an application, it'll be this right here. It's a simple prayer that you begin to pray with the Lord. And if it is, you just, you can close your eyes. Don't bow your heads, just close your eyes. And just you and the Lord right now, just tell him, say, Lord, I come tonight and I repent for anything, for any self-willed decisions that I've tried to make and take the reins to this thing and lead it by myself. God, I'm asking you to keep me on the wheel. Some of you that have been faithful, God's got a reward for you, hang in there. You're becoming something. The power to become and the power to resist is in you. It's not in his hand, it's in you. He gives grace that empowers you to become. So, Lord, tonight, forgive me if I've gotten off. And, Lord, if I'm on the wheel right now and you're continuing to shape and mold, God, give me grace as you shape and mold. Ask him for grace. It's okay to ask for grace. That's the unmerited favor that he empowers you to do it. And lastly, just say, Lord, use me. Lord, use me and lead me. Keep me on the wheel. Don't throw me to the potter's field. I'm useful. I've got to work for the kingdom that I can do. I surrender. I yield. I submit myself under the mighty hand of God because you're going to exalt me in due time. You're going to raise me off the wheel in, in due time. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the message. Make sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family.